So let's start today's episode with an anecdote. A widowed mother is working two jobs trying to provide for herself and her newborn baby. That leaves her with little time to actually tend to the baby and breastfeed the baby. So the baby develops meningitis and then passes away after consuming powdered infant formula, which was contaminated with chronobacter bacteria. In this case, is the mother responsible for her baby's death? Is the mother at fault and to be blamed? Or alternatively, is the government at fault for not regulating the production of infant formulas? That's absolutely awful and unfair for the mother to be blamed, given the social conditions that make it impossible for them to be actively available to breastfeed the baby. Hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Dialogue Disparities. My name is Isha. My name is Danlin. So today we're talking about how health is actually a co-responsibility that's shared between the individual and the society. So we hope our little anecdote in the beginning got you thinking about whether an individual, in this case the mother, can actually be blamed for the awful health outcomes that actually occur to them. There's a very clear stigma surrounding opting for powdered formula over breastfeeding in society. Why is that the case? So a while back, I actually read this book called Lactivism, which was written by a political scientist and professor at the University of Toronto, Courtney Young. In this book, she discusses why many public health officials are so proactive in promoting breastfeeding to reduce infection rates in babies. There's actually little conclusive evidence out there if you do some research that supports that breastfeeding is actually way better than a powdered formula. However, on social media, every single famous person ever who has ever given birth They've made sure to post photos of them breastfeeding in public. Did you know that there's even a name for these breastfeeding selfies? They're called brelfies, and I'm not even kidding. So why is breastfeeding actually promoted so strongly? In that book, they discussed how babies actually get infections when they go to daycare and not actually from being fed powdered infant formulas. In this case, babies go into daycare at six or eight weeks because mothers don't actually have federally mandated maternity leave. So then mothers often take on the individual responsibility of breastfeeding because they worry that their baby will get infections if they don't, right? Because that's what the rhetoric always says. In fact, the reason why babies often get infections is because the government is not mandating maternity leave. Because of the absence of a government policy, the babies are getting more infections than usual. And no amount of breastfeeding is ever going to change that. So then the drive to frame infant health as a matter of breastfeeding instead of, you know, the need for maternity leave. It's basically a larger politics of making structural and systemic injustices like the absence of a maternity leave invisible. So the narrative surrounding breastfeeding, it places a large share of the responsibility for a baby's health on the mother instead of on the government. Relating this to COVID-19, so the government places all the responsibility on individuals to curb the spread of COVID-19 by social distancing, washing your hands. Yet the lack of paid sick leave, it leads people to work with COVID-19 symptoms and increase the spread. So both of these cases show that there's a lack of governmental policy that's improving health of the people. For example, Ontario declared a state of emergency, which is a stay-at-home order recently. However, the message was very vague. It can basically be summed up as, Don't go out for any reason, unless you need to go out for some reason. So then the government emphasizes the importance of personal responsibility, yet the government gives very little guidance and very vague advice. It's not helping the case, and it's not improving the health outcomes of the population. So Isha, what do you think it means to hold someone responsible in the context of health policy? 
Well, it's believed that any health policy that links either the relative payment for treatment or the extent of treatment to factors that are under an individual's control holds that very person responsible. However, the World Health Organization defines health policy as the decisions, plans, and actions undertaken to achieve specific healthcare goals within a society. Governmental policies are often structured in order to assign individual responsibility for health. However, health is not only influenced by personal preferences and lifestyles. It's also greatly impacted by environmental and political factors, where society and policies can extend their help within. For example, geographical factors such as the lack of green spaces and the concentration of pollution-emitting factories in low-income neighborhoods also contribute to the often inferior health outcomes seen in the poor. Migrant workers or poor white workers in rural areas growing large numbers of pigs are constantly exposed to the fecal matter of the pigs, which contain many particles at high concentrations that can be detrimental to human health. Did you know 33% of farm workers experience symptoms of organic toxic dust syndrome 60% experience bronchitis, and 25% also develop non-allergic occupational asthma. And this is all due to the environment that the workers are consistently exposed to. So, I have a question for you, Danlin. Are health outcomes really dependent on the individual, or is there a societal responsibility too? So, of course, the need for individuals to make a conscious choice to practice good habits and lead a disciplined lifestyle That cannot be dismissed. Yet it is extremely beneficial if governmental policies can also reflect the health goals of the entire community, including the most vulnerable populations. So for example, the Canadian government should work in partnership with Indigenous populations to design policies that better serve them, the most vulnerable. And this will lead to better health outcomes and reduce the disparities in health outcomes that are currently seen. So government health promotion activities like sanitation, pollution control, food and drug safety, urban planning, disease surveillance, this can all lessen the burden on individuals to educate themselves, and these can improve health outcomes. So then individual responsibility for health can be looked at within this broader context, alongside social responsibility and social justice. So the government has a responsibility to provide decent living conditions to ensure that these marginalized communities do not fall ill in the first place, while they also have this responsibility to provide adequate healthcare access after they fall ill to everyone, regardless of their social status. So both of these are basic human rights that people deserve to have. And on the other hand, the individual does still have a responsibility to maintain their own health. So if the government has a responsibility to provide these decent living conditions for all individuals, what does health as an individual responsibility truly mean? So health as an individual responsibility, it basically places excessive focus on the individual for one's own health outcomes. So it hides the social inequalities that lead to poor health among people of color, and it prevents people from striving for social change. It basically depoliticizes health problems by treating them as individual, like biomedical problems instead of social problems. So the neoliberal critique of too much government intervention can result in this kind of individual responsibility rhetoric. It results in the focus on freedom and the ability to exercise choices freely, right? So then the society would expect individuals to become responsible for their own health through making choices since they have so much freedom. And then they relate this to discipline. So then they think that people that fall ill are people that don't have discipline and they didn't take care of themselves. So then there's this ethical dilemma that exists. It involves the need to balance individual freedom with government intervention. 
Isha, how do you think we can ensure that balance between individual freedom and government intervention? Well, given the complexity of understanding health as being an individual or social responsibility, researchers have started using the term co-responsibility to understand health. Since health is affected both by personal behavior and factors generally beyond immediate individual control, it's neither an exclusive matter of personal or social responsibility. By necessity, health responsibilities are therefore co-responsibilities. For example, a certain standard of living is required to prevent disease or infirmity. Questions about individual responsibility for health are very deeply connected to people's political orientations too. Studies on attitudes towards the welfare state suggest that left-wing political alignment is typically more associated with greater approval for strong governmental involvement in healthcare, and that political orientation is connected to people's perception of the role of social conditions and individual choice in determining health. Placing value on individual responsibility and the influence of people's lifestyle on their health can be influenced by the stereotypes or misconceptions about certain diseases. Stigma surrounding diabetes, for example, could lead to a diabetic person deemed not worthy of certain care or judged for differentially receiving care simply on a superficial notion of its connection to diet. Right, like as you mentioned, Isha, so many diseases nowadays are very stigmatized. It causes these diseases to have very strong negative connotations in society, like diabetes and also obesity. So one interesting point that you mentioned that I want to elaborate more on was some of the deeper root causes behind poor diets. So currently, there's an obesity epidemic in North America. Basically, people are becoming increasingly fat. So a lot of the explanations behind this obesity epidemic, it stigmatizes fat people. So they say that they are personally responsible because they're lazy, they don't want to exercise, or sometimes they use genetics to explain why people are becoming more fat or why specific individuals are fat while the other ones are still thin. However, I think that we should pay more attention to the richer explanation of contemporary fatness. So let me start with giving you some stats. So the USDA report has showed that there was a 15% increase in the amount of food available in the U.S. from 1970 to 1994. So then there was a similar increase in calories consumed per individual seen in the same time period. So then the U.S. agricultural policy systematically created the oversupply of food. It caused food to become cheaper, so then people eat more of it, and eventually they got fat from eating more of the food. And also, profitability explains why large corporations induce people to eat unhealthy junk foods that they would otherwise not eat. So then this also causes people to become increasingly fat, right? So there's two examples. Supermarkets design their layout so that people are encouraged to buy more than they intend, especially junk foods. And beverage companies, they fund school programs in order to have their unhealthy sodas sold in the school cafeteria. This makes unhealthy food way more accessible to young individuals. I think it's crucial to understand how these high-caloric, nutritionally debilitated and otherwise unhealthy foods have been made too available, too cheap, too profitable to individuals. And you have to prevent putting all the blame on fat people. And you have to practice more sympathy towards other people to avoid blaming them for those outcomes that they are faced. So the issue is, can we still assume that these obese individuals are leading irresponsible lives and they are undeserving of health care? And how do we decide who is deserving of healthcare and what does deservingness really mean in this case, right? So if you take into account how many impoverished individuals are often not able to afford healthy organic foods that require longer times to prepare and also more money to purchase, they have no choice but to resort to cheap fast foods. And in this case, can you really blame them for turning out to be more obese than the other 
Isha, are you aware of any other disparities uh, that are common in healthcare? So you bring up a really good point about the stigma associated with weight, with obesity, and with the current obesity epidemic occurring in North America. But there are so many different roots of disparities in healthcare. One such example that has been prevalent for way too long are racial inequalities. Unbeknown by many, health is actually primarily impacted by the social environment. Government and private businesses have developed inadequate and inferior healthcare resources where people of color, especially Black individuals, are concentrated. Referring to the anecdote you used earlier about breastfeeding, breastfeeding itself has racial tensions dating back to the late 1700s when slavery was peaking in the United States. Did you know that Black enslaved mothers were restricted from breastfeeding their own children and instead were forced to breastfeed the children of their white masters? As a terrible consequence of this injustice, many Black babies died from neglect and lack of nutrition that is immensely vital during infanthood. As a result of this, Black breastfeeding rates today are significantly reduced compared to their white counterparts, highlighting the still widely present detriments of racism and systemic oppression. Disparities in health reflect social inequalities. However, every cloud does have a silver lining, and the positive aspect of health inequities being socially produced is that it is therefore modifiable and can be approved upon. Instead of using an approach that addresses specific diseases, it's more important to address underlying social determinants of health by providing prevention for overall health problems on a long-term, sustainable basis. Thank you, Isha. I had no idea that Black enslaved mothers were not allowed to breastfeed their own babies. That must have been horrible. And I do agree. The underlying social determinants of health need to be addressed first to prevent vulnerable populations from falling ill in the first place. And then also access to healthcare needs to be improved so then people that want to get treatment can actually receive proper treatment. So then this will reduce the disparity in health that is currently seen. Basically, to conclude today's episode, we discussed the broader social, political, and environmental forces that are responsible for ill health, and we hope that you were able to get something out of this podcast. We were hoping to help people break free from common stereotypes and misconceptions about certain diseases. Stay tuned for our next episode, where we will address the technological forces that influence health, also known as telehealth. Thank you guys so much for tuning in.